And this is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to like city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to uh, to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to uphold. And welcome to the post-election edition, I guess, of the Municipals. I'm Matthew. And I'm Philip. And with us, uh, we're, we're having a panel. We're having a, a couple technical issues. But for now, joining us is columnist of, and his column is called The Art of Making It Work, uh, Nick Kosovin. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Or welcome back to the show, I should yeah, say. Yeah, it's been a few, <laughs> a couple, anyway. Yeah. Now, the last time you were on the show, um, you know, I get did the was the election just called or was it? it uh, no, the resignation was just called. The resignation was just called, but an election date wasn't set yet. And at that point, at that point, we all thought that Gil Penalosa was going to be in the election. Correct. Correct. And I guess that didn't end up happening. Um, do you think? Actually, he, yeah, I guess I guess I'm. Well, that I wanted could to probably I, be a good launching point. I wanted Sorry. to. I wanted to ask Nick. Do you think, given given everything that's happened, do you think Gil made the right choice to bow out and uh, support Olivia Chow? A hundred percent, no doubt about it. At the time, maybe I was a little bit whatever. Um, he had actually reached out to me because we knew each other from the previous election. What my thoughts were, I said for him to go for it, but he went that way. Um, so if he had stayed in, let's presume he'd stayed in, Olivia would certainly not have gotten all the votes she got it uh, to win, and there would have been a split vote right there also, uh, definitely between him and Olivia, so forth. Absolutely. And right. also also joining us now, I uh, hope, hope technical issues are okay, is our, our friend, uh, she's the editor-in-chief of the Etobicoke Voice, Jennifer. Welcome. Or welcome Hi. back. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And uh, right off the bat, we were just talking about um, Gil Penalosa stepping aside for Olivia Chow. And I'd love to know your thoughts on uh, on what happened last night for our listeners. I mean, if you live under a rock, Olivia Chow won the election last night. And uh, and your thoughts? Well, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I'm static. Um here in Etobicoke, you know, it's it's still definitely not Olivia Chow territory, but it's coming. And uh, there's a lot of concerns. I mean, I'm a mom with teenagers. I talk to moms all over all the time with younger kids and we have traffic issues galore. We need, you know, more. more. I think she might be frozen. OK, uh, well, she sorts that out. Nick, your your thoughts on on the election as a whole? I so we did talk, we did start up on uh, on on um, Gil Penalosa, but go ahead. Um, I mean, it can't. It comes down to the first thought for me was two things: a, we definitely need rank balloting, which was not talked about or became an, an election issue whatsoever, and then. It also occurred to me, I don't know if you remember a couple of months ago, uh, in May anyway, there was the Turkish election, okay? And it was the incumbent and his rival. 
And then the first elect, they have what is called a runoff election. So neither of them got in the first election 50% of the vote. You need 50% to win the election. So they had a runoff election a couple of weeks later. The incumbent, Ergon, Ergon, uh, Ergon, uh, Ergon. Thank you. He ended up with 50. Yeah. Uh, I'm not Turkish, so you probably can, whatever. Okay. Uh, anyway, ends up with 52.18 uh, of the votes. What we saw yesterday, if you looked at, you know, there was Anna who really made a comeback I didn't see, but next to her, you know, Mark Saunders and Anthony. If we had a runoff election and Jill is no part of it, between Anna and Olivia, we'd be talking about Anna being the mayor today, for sure. So there is definitely, the electoral system we have definitely needs to be revamped, for lack of a better word. But that's not going to happen because it's not in the pol politician's best interest. That, that's just the way yeah, it is. Yeah, because right? they keep winning under the current exactly. system. Exactly. You, you know, so why do they want to change that? Exactly. You know I just had a thought, uh, guys, tell me if I'm off base. You know, Olivia Chow didn't jump in until much, much later. And and yeah. and and the thing online was, what are what is she waiting for? What is she waiting for? Would it, I guess, shouldn't we limit the number of candidates for, for at least for mayor? Uh, and then, you know, if the slots fill up, oh, well, you're out of luck. Because, I mean, I think we can all agree that 102 candidates was too many. Right, exactly. So in American cities, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, you had to be two things, party affiliated. So either you're a Republican, Democrat and all that. As well, you need a lot more than 25 signatures and $200 to put your name on the ballot. You know, in New York City, it's like, 2300 uh something like that 2300 signatures is required uh and you got to put a significant amount of money down before you can run it's too easy to run for mayor of toronto the fourth largest populous city in all of north america by far um can i sorry to interrupt yeah, ahead, no, uh, but can i ask a a weird question sort of like overall as part of this what exactly is the problem with having 102 candidates running in Toronto? Because it's, you know, we're going to hear the loudest voices are going to be the most popular ones anyways. I'm not entirely mm -hmm. sure there is an issue with um, like raising the barrier to to running. I don't I don't really see that as beneficial. Well, if I could just jump in and then, and then I'll let yeah. Jennifer and Nick take it. Uh, the issue is that if if there wasn't 102 candidates, even if there was only 31 like there was in October, I, 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 it's my firm belief that Olivia Chow wouldn't be the mayor right now. Mm -hmm. no. Even even if you don't like Anna Bailao, and for the record, I'm not really a fan of hers either, but it's possible she could have been the mayor. Um, uh, Jennifer, you got cut off, so I'll let you finish your thoughts, and then Nick will go to you. Yeah. Jen? No, on, on this, I think I do agree that there needs to be, you know, more signatures. I think there needs to be a higher cost to enter. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that there needs to necessarily be slots per se. I think you need to open it up to the democratic process. But absolutely, you know, 25 
characters and 200 bucks just to, you know, get on there. I mean, I've heard lots of, for years, there's been real estate agents and all sorts of people who then get the election, the, the electoralist. Right. So if you're going to be taking all of this information, you, you need to actually want to run, you want to have backing, you need to be ready for it. But I'm also with Phil on this where, yeah, I, I don't think you can say, oh, we've got tw- uh, five slots, there are all on 20 slots, whatnot. I think you have to open it up. Just make it make it harder. Make people need to work harder for it. And then on top of it, not necessarily um, how many candidates, but blaming the fact that there's still such a huge amount of the city who just doesn't bother, who they don't vote, they don't pay attention, and they don't care. I think that's where there needs to be work to get out the vote and to get people understanding that this important day-to-day stuff. That's a good point. And Nick? Why do you, I'm going to ask Jennifer a question, uh, because it was quite on the low side to voter turnout, 38%, which I thought because John Tory wasn't, you know, no longer involved and so forth, it was going to be at least in the high 40s, maybe mid 50s. So Jennifer, why do you feel it was as low as it was? Honestly, it's because people don't care. Um, okay. I follow and I, yeah, I talk to people all the time, especially, and I, and I'm talking specifically, I talk to people in person in Ward 2, and I talk to people all the time. Um, I'm an advocate for traffic safety, and we're trying to get Stephen Holiday to help mm-hmm. us out and, you know, to get things in order. And people have been dealing with the city for so long and nothing gets done. They don't feel appreciated. They don't feel like they have a voice in my ward. They hear one thing in person. And then if they do watch council, they hear representation saying, this is what my, my ward wants. And everybody's like, no, it's not. There's just a lot. And there's a lack of caring. People have given up. And I mean, that's what uh, myself and some other people are doing right now, just in our ward alone, trying to one-on-one groups and it clicks when you have but for a city uh, the size of Toronto it's going to take a lot more than just one-on-one conversations because there's not enough time but yeah I I'm just going to be honest people don't care we need to change that yeah and I have to agree I think people have become so uh disenfranchised with the politicians especially not just the system that we see it not only at the municipal level but we saw it in you know the last provincial election and even at the federal level you know i think it's a big win if we get 40 percent almost but at the end of the day which is abysmal (laughs) exactly which is yeah crap but at the end of the day a municipal election is the government you're voting for that touches you every day the roads i drive uh, my property taxes, of course, water that comes out of my tap, blah, blah, blah. And you would think it would be the opposite, federal being the furthest and provincial and now municipal. I'm going to, you know, vote for someone. But I, you know, I, I see my counselor all the, well, not all the time, but, you know, I run into him and this and that. You don't run But I wonder if this minutes. comes from like the image of, of the levels of government uh, somehow being levels of importance where people view the federal government 
as like it's the biggest one it covers right. the whole country and then provincial like it goes smaller down i agree with you nick you're absolutely correct that municipal politics are the ones that directly affect our lives mm-hmm. most most directly but I, I feel like there's an impression that people have where it's like municipals are like that's the boring politics that's you know nothing happens municipally in yeah. in a lot of people's minds uh i just wanted to say you know you mentioned it i uh on behalf of the municipals, I wanted to pass on uh, our condolences to uh, your Ward 24 counselor, Paul Ainsley, <laughs> who, uh, who who lost his mother recently. Um, mm-hmm. Phil and I know what that's like. It's not fun. And uh, mm-hmm. so we uh, we wish we wish his family well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I looked over some of these uh, election results and. Um, you guys are going to get a kick out of this. Do you guys realize that, uh, you know, the gong, the guy that uh, blistered yeah. with the signs, he actually beat Giorgio Mammoliti. He placed, yeah. he placed higher than Giorgio Mammoliti, which I, I thought was... Listen, the, the image was there. And there's going to be a huge segment of Torontonians who, um, they'll go to vote, but they won't take the time to research candidates. And that sounds like ridiculous and silly but i'm only talking about i'm talking about younger past me who is like told and taught voting is important voting is so important at no point was i told about researching candidates or you know doing any of your work but just get to the polls so Mm -hmm. how many people how many people have this mindset that it's so important for them to get to the polls doing no work and just being like man i've seen a ton of those gong signs number 44 how many other candidates do you know they're like their ballot number, except maybe your own personal candidate that, that you opted for and gone? That's true. Uh, but you said 500. Remember? I was I was guessing 500. Uh, he, he fucking killed that. He got almost 3000. <laughs> Which is incredible. No debates, no uh, no notoriety, except for all of this ad placement. That's got to be some sort of. You know that's got to be its own little study on its own. And how about for the for most of yesterday, I guess until the the, the end there, uh, Chris Sky was actually beating Brad Bradford, but Brad Bradford pulled ahead. Um, I think he at the end, Chris Sky, and I could be wrong. I think he barely beat the final count. I believe he did beat Bradford, like by not much. I think it was a 1.8 to a 1.2% of the vote. Yeah. Regardless, I think Bradford should be very embarrassed. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's still a counselor. He's still got to go to work tomorrow. So <laughs> For the next three and a half years. He's, he's endang- got to go up to these, his... <laughs> he's endangered his own ward. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. In already, 2026, so. yeah. Yeah. Um, but guys, did well, you know he's got three years to make it up? Maybe he learned a lesson, That's a hard true. lesson and a humiliating lesson. But give him benefit of the doubt. If he wants to keep his job, he's got three years. That's true. We can yeah. all hope that we learn our lessons in we these scenarios. Yeah. There's, there should only be one by, one more by-election before 2026, and that's for Ward 20. You know, if Gary Crawford wins. Let's hope he I wins mean, for Scarborough uh, Guildwood. Mm-hmm. Mixed feelings. Um, did you guys know that uh, Chris Guy is actually claiming he lost the election due to fraud? 
Yeah, it's all over Twitter. And, all that. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another oh one. Um, it might be Gong or the other one. They're asking. Oh, Gong! For a Gong recap. called for a recount. Yeah, it called yeah, for a Gong. recount. Doesn't make the top ten. Three thousand votes. Recount. Uh, Chris this Skies. doesn't look right. I had so many signs. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Skye's tweet was, I have just exposed the largest act of fraud in Canadian right. history. Oh. I'm pretty sure the poll he's using as his like example is like a Twitter opinion poll, which is like, come on, had, my dude. That, that doesn't had, mean uh, anything. He had think... voter registration cards, right, Matt? Sorry? I think he showed a picture of two voter registration cards at the same address or something. It was a tweet about that earlier today. I saw. Oh, I, I, I just, there's a, um, there's a little article here written by Mark Slepinski mm -hmm. and that's what I copied. I didn't see oh. any tweet. Okay. Um, a, uh, I also have a, a tweet here by a guy named Joe Ragusa and he goes, uh, but now that Gong has lost the mayor's race, who will rescue Toronto? Because that's what was on his sign. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, I've got, uh, I've got tweets here I'll read uh, from, uh, from Justin Trudeau. Well, Matthew, wait, before, yeah. before you start, Matthew, yep. I, I think while, while we have everyone here, I'm curious, um, Nick, Jennifer, if you feel comfortable, obviously you don't have to share if you don't. Uh, I'm curious who you guys voted for. Well, if anybody follows me on Twitter, I think they can easily see that uh, it was definitely Olivia Chow for me. But that was hard because I really, really believe in Chloe Brown and I really like Josh Matlow as well. But I was like, no, I was with the whole, I've seen it happen before. I don't want to split any votes. Um, it was a hard decision, but... I, in the end, um, I went with Anthony Furry. Interesting. I actually, I, I think I do want to ask you a bit about that, only because, uh, actually, later. Well, we'll, we'll get to the, that later. I'm just, we, I'm curious some thoughts. Well, since you opened that door, Phil, we should disclose. I'll, I'll oh. be honest. I voted for Chloe Brown. It's not a, that's, it's not mm -hmm. a secret. I, right. And I voted. I voted for Gru. I endorsed him. I felt like I had to vote for him. I, I say that like, like it was a punishment. No, he's my friend. I I, I voted for him. All right. Uh, did you have something else? I cut you off. I oh. Um. Oh. Okay. Uh. I, I guess it's it's kind of a conversation for for Nick. Um. If if he sort of has a something in mind. Sorry, I'm I'm phrasing this very weirdly. In in the building where I work is the uh, is the president of the Toronto Center uh, conservative writing. I framed that very weirdly, but he's like a conservative person in Toronto Center, and you know we have these political conversations, and he as well. He voted for Anthony Fury also, and I I got the sense that um, a lot of conservative minded people, and I actually don't know if that's you, Nick, um, but a lot of them were turning against Mark Saunders and his, the thing that I saw come up quite a lot was, or in my mind was, you know, Mark Saunders constantly brought up his, his time as police chief right. as his credentials to being the mayor of Toronto, where everyone else in the city of Toronto was like, dude, those, 
we didn't see your time as police chief fondly, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not even me, mm-hmm. my anti-police stance. That's that's yeah. people didn't like Mark Saunders as police chief. And I'm wondering if if that was a big part in your decision in voting for Anthony Fury. I don't know if there's any part of you interested in voting for Mark Saunders. But I mean, that was just sort of what I got from this this conservative uh, guy who had chosen to vote for mm-hmm. Anthony Fury, which I mean, I, I feel like he campaigned very well. It's one of those things where you're not <laughs> you don't got to give him credit. But I do. I, I feel like Anthony Fury campaigned very well. Yeah, um, for me, it was a toss up, believe it or not, between Matt Lau and Fury. I, I kept tossing it around and, and so forth uh, like that. But Fury, especially towards the last four weeks of the uh, election or campaigning, certainly started to resonate with me with some of the things that he was saying. It was more from a point of, yeah, that's just common sense, as opposed to his politics. Uh, there were a few things I called him out on earlier, you know, whatever, that, you know, would take people off the street, institutionalize them and all that. No, no, no. But, you know, whatever. But he was starting to make some common sense like that. What I liked about Matt Lau is he did a lot of cost-based, uh, a cost-based platform, like Mitzi Hunter did also. Um, but I thought, you know, at the end of the day, he was too much a centralist for me. And I had, you know, I knew where Anthony stood. I always got a feel for Matt Lau was just trying to show and tell what the people wanted to hear like that. And I'm not a big fan of career politicians. That's another one, too. And he's a columnist like I am. So there you go. Is he? There you go. Oh, sorry. Anthony Fury. My brain was like, Josh Matlow is a columnist? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um, That's my bad. I I lost the plot there for a moment. Jen, do you want to chime in? Well, I... I Again, I don't agree with anything that uh, Anthony Fury says. I don't agree with anything coming out of the sun. So I don't, I, I, something really made me uncomfortable with him uh, just the other day on CP24 or City TV, whichever one it was, where he was going, he was families first. As teens, I take families very, very important. However, I take everybody. Um, we have we have homeless we have affordability crisis he was basically saying i will take care of the middle class families and we will deal with and and i and i'll just leave it at that uh for for me as a i guess as a quote-unquote former conservative oh um (laughs) <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say that I'll say that um, if the the Doug Ford endorsement endorsed candidate was someone other than Mark Saunders who was a cop, so basically, if the person was not a cop, it 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 might have been a closer race, maybe. Um, I'll say that much. I don't, you know, I don't think necessarily it was the fact that Mark Saunders was a cop that that was his his weight. It was the fact that he was the top cop who did such a shit job at it. I think was his his albatross. It wasn't it wasn't that he was a cop. 
and and that's coming from you know a very dialed in, dyed in the wool you know a cab kind yeah, of person. Fi- it wasn't Phil, because he was a cop; it was because he was a shit cop. But Phil, there is a strong contingent of Torontonians that do not want to mix cops with their politics. I don't know how John Burnside yeah, is back me. in, um, <laughs> but I mean, you can look at the other joke cop that was in the race. <laughs> and he, he went from 8,900 votes to 264. God, that sucked. <laughs> I loved yeah. that, though. That just made my day this morning. <laughs> um, There are so many, like, candidates who are hovering around that 200 vote mark. It's ridiculous. Which I guess does add to, to Nick's point and, and yeah. Matt's point that with less people, those votes obviously wouldn't be funneled into those campaigns that really didn't end up anywhere and they end up being just and i wrote that in a call or um an op piece a while back it was a circus and these people are distractions right unnecessary distractions so the real conversations that torontonians should be happen having we really didn't have you know and we certainly did not have a um an elect an election where the candidates all were serious candidates making the process look this is serious business so you have people like chris sky you know gong this and that um you know uh, reginald tull and all these people that come out and really make a mockery of the whole thing which again is another reason maybe why people you know don't take the process seriously I'm that's just saying, point. right? No, no, that's a good point. But there were a couple of uh, lower polled candidates that that I believed in personally. One mm-hmm. of them, one of them was Nia Singh. Um, I, I, it's a shame that he didn't uh, uh, get more votes. Um, I could argue that that was because of the media, uh, mm-hmm. but he's he's one person that he he made my top five. I really really struggled to eliminate him from my top five. I really believed in his message. Hmm. Uh, what about you, Phil? Uh, d- was there a, a lower poll- polled candidate that, I mean, other than Gru, that uh, that uh, you believe? You know, in? I think it. I think it was just Gru. Um, what about Molly the dog? I. I <laughs> oh right, but you know what? What here's what's crazy about about Toby Heap's candidacy. Okay, he entered. I 100% treat it as a joke. It's it's the Airbud rules of Toronto mayoralship. There are no rules that says a dog can't be mayor. Once again, I'm sure there are plenty of rules that says a dog can't be mayor. But, you know, the whole time I'm thinking he's just going to be a, a jokey guy with these jokey policies. But he, he had real, like, environmental stuff. Um, I don't know. He was... And, and real endorsements. He had an endorsement from David Suzuki. It was just, you know, it, it was surprising to me how he he could have presented himself more seriously as a more serious mm-hmm. candidate if he didn't throw in the Molly part at all. But again, I would have not paid any attention to him if he didn't have Molly the dog. It's a bit of a Sophie's choice here. Yeah. What about uh, what about you, Jen? Was there a lower polled candidate that you were uh, maybe interested yeah. in? 
Yeah, and I and I and I always and I always screw up her last name and I feel awful. But Selena Caesar Chauvin's. I love her. She is is amazing, and her policies. I printed everything out. I was going through everything, and I mean, she has so much experience, and just basically, the the media kind of just left her off because she wasn't in there the first day with everybody else, and she did that on purpose. And it's just it's such a shame and i really really hope she you know continues going on to doing things and puts herself out there and you know i'm i'm gonna write an article about her a lot of the stuff that she not necessarily about her specifically but about the ideas that she was bringing to the table the only person i heard talking about uh, the u.n sustainable goals that probably half the city doesn't even know that exists and um she could teach people such good things so and she's a very good person so I I was so I heartbroken when I saw just I think she's in the two hundreds or something like that. And it, it's yeah, one of the two hundred. What I what I can't yeah. figure out is she used to be a a, a Tory right. MP or sorry a Liberal MP and and even the Liberal though, MP yeah. I even though I think in I cabinet think, I believe I yeah. think it I think it ended badly for her. You would think yeah. she still has you know, a, a few relationships, you know, maybe not an endorsement from the prime minister, but an endorsement from at least one federal uh, liberal MP, but, but nothing as far as I'm aware of. Which proves the point of, you know, she obviously burned a lot of bridges and politics is a lot about nepotism. Actually, when you look at it holistically, you think about it, we have a prime minister who was the son of a prime minister <clears throat> Right. We have, um, you know, a mayor who was the wife of a politician, a well-known politician. And then uh, we have obviously um, a prime minister or a premier of Ontario. What's the connection there with family? I uh, uh, his father I people his, talk about Doug Ford Sr. His father was a fe- uh, was but, a pr- provincial backbencher. Yeah. That, that's oh, it, right? okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So it's very incestuous politics, obviously. Um, kudos to her that she got, you know, as far as she did with liberal and federal politics, but she burned some bridges and there's no coming back from that. No one's going to touch that. Um, you know, that's another thing that's never talked about term limits. So politicians get in. Exactly. No one talks about it. Because, or the politicians don't. Because for me. Okay. And to hold on to that power as long as they can, right? No one's in it for, I'm going to serve my eight years or whatever, do my best and, you know, leave a little legacy and move on. No one's into that, right? So they're all looking out for their own self-interest. Yeah. Nick, was there a lower polled candidate that you may be... Yeah, even um, mildly interested in her. Yeah, there was one. Um, and you might have seen the article I wrote on her because a lot of her writing started resonating with me. Uh, Sarah Clemenga, Clement, Clement Hag, pronounce last names today. <laughs> um, you know, that's okay, uh, Nick. You fit right in with us. Yeah, so she did quite well in the you know the fall election, but I somehow I guess I just wasn't keeping paying attention. But then on Substack, she started putting out some stuff, and I go, "Wow, you're making a lot of sense. Some, maybe too much sense. A lot of reality, like you know, the housing crisis. 
can't be fixed. Sorry, people. Toronto is the way it is. It's no different in New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, whatever. I don't know why Torontonians think it would be different. It is what it is. Uh, but she called it out and wrote a very good essay on that, uh, which in my op piece today, I tagged into it as a must read about affordable housing. Chow is not going to solve the problem. Nobody is. There's too many people coming into Toronto faster than, you know, what, how many units can you build a year? 5,000? 10 at the most? And that's ridiculously, you know, unrealistic. Especially it's, when the, the other levels yeah. of governments, they're not giving the money. They, if, well, if, if we're going to open the floodgates yeah. and let everyone exactly. in, which is, which is okay with me, right. you need, to, you need yeah. to start paying for it. Exactly. Well, it's not even the money issue, because even if the money was there, there is the physical issue. How fast can you build? Right. It's just, you know, we don't have we have a labor shortage. How many people, you know, work in construction, you know, blah, 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 developers designing, blah, blah, blah. We're not talking putting hamburgers together here at McDonald's. We're talking building units Uh, and a unit, let's say a, a half decent size apartment building, what takes three years minimum if not four, to build. And we've already got 85,000 people on the waiting list for affordable or subsidized housing. We're already behind the eight ball. And that doesn't and, include that doesn't include yeah. the thousands of homeless people that we have, correct? Exactly. And the homeless people and so forth. And now we've got an influx of immigration coming to Canada, which, yes, Canada does need, no argument, but most of them go to Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. Um especially Vancouver and Toronto, do the math. It ain't going to solve itself. So I think at one point, and I hope you read my stuff, Jennifer, feel free to publish it. Uh, you know, <laughs> at one point, Torontonians either will have to come to terms that we're not different than New York City, which is more expensive than, you know, Toronto or Chicago or Los Angeles or whatever. And, That's just the way it is. We're just going to always have a perpetual housing shortage. It's just the name and nature of the beast like that. Uh, Loads of metropolitan, huge cities around the world just deal with it. It's part of living in Toronto. No different than traffic is and all that. We have too much of a small town mentality still lingering in Toronto. And I found an article, which is scary, in a way uh, that the star put out that within by 2030, we're going to have, and this is not the star saying it, it's some thing we're going to have in the GTA, 8 million people. Wow. Yeah. What do we have now? Six Uh, million? Six point something. And I'm talking GTA golden horseshoe. Yeah. It's going to go up to 8 million in the next five, six years. It's insane. How many people come to Toronto every year? Right? Must be the water. (laughs) You know, I think this this blends perfectly with what I wanted to say next. Um, Again, I I apologize to the listeners if I'm going to offend you. But uh, I got to say, you know, Toronto voters are, they can be bipolar is probably the best word. We have a federal liberal government. We have a provincial conservative government, and now yeah. we have an NDP mayor. Right. Uh, it's, it's just... Do it, we... I mean, do we... I know, like, we're paying attention. 
and and we know Olivia Chow is is NDP aligned, but for the most part, do you think people? I guess maybe that this is more of a question. Do we actually think people vote um, vote for municipal candidates? Sort of place them in party ideas in their own heads. Uh, does that make sense? Was that a weird question? Do you know what I'm saying? Well. Y- y- uh, Jen, I don't know if you want to speak to this, but if you would go off of their endorsements, you can see who where they're aligned. Well, well, that's it. And I mean, I think there's a lot of talk at the beginning when Olivia came into the race where there was a lot of staunch NDP who were basically trying to tell everybody else that this is who you have to vote for, that uh, she is the one who's going to be the, pro- the progressive candidate. And there was a lot of people who were, you know, taking offense to that. And I think the younger generation who maybe doesn't remember Jack and wasn't part of the orange wave are kind of, are, are almost, they're better at deciphering at, uh, and making their own decisions. There is, you know, a great deal of 40 year olds, 50 year olds who felt they had to fall into to alignment. And I think as things progressed and as the debates went on, people started to make their own decisions. But yeah, it, it was definitely an issue at the beginning, and there was questions about um, Josh Matlow and how, you know, how could he be progressive in saying the things he's saying because he's, because basically it's known that he's liberal. So I think there is this unknown, hidden, unspoken, but people really do actually know where everybody is aligned. I think it's going to change. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, I I hear your point. Uh, And, you know, uh, we'll get crucified if I don't say this. So, you know, uh, again, on behalf of the municipals, we uh, congratulate Olivia Chow becoming mayor. Um, Although I will say that I am disappointed. Uh, not that I, I was, wanted. I was saying, Matthew, you don't have to look. You don't have to look so sad about it. But of course, you know, between the two of us, uh, <laughs> you know, which one of us is going? Olivia, congratulations, Olivia Chow. <laughs> congratulations, Olivia. Well, Chow. Okay, so, <laughs> that, so that's the vibes. So I was on Twitter. Uh, I think it was last night or earlier, t- whatever. And uh, it was after the election. I think it was this morning. Yes, it was this morning. And. Um, uh, Anthony Fury had not congratulated uh, Olivia Chow yet, and people were slamming him uh, based on what I saw. They're like, yeah. "You need to congratulate Olivia. You need." There were like, there were uh, comments in in a tweet in a thread that I was following, and, and at least four of them were like, "You need to congratulate Olivia." And he did. I. I I, I don't, I, that's like bullying, but whatever, it, whatever. Oh, actually, um, you know what, that's, that's a fair point. I, I don't know, maybe this is just, it's political politeness, but I mean, it, it was very interesting that I, I saw a completely separate tweet and I'm not actually going to make it a, about a bigger, larger point because clearly there's something wrong with this person, but this person had seen like Justin Trudeau, um, Anita Anand, and some someone else from the federal liberal party congratulating Olivia Chow on winning the mayorship, and their like commentary was, "This is how you know they were selected, not elected." It's that's that. <laughs> oh my god! But we 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 congratulate people in politics. It's very normal. I don't know. People people are getting real weird about politics and conspiracy theories recently. Well, they're getting impatient, right? And so, oh, that's why, fair, yeah. why why am I disappointed? 
I'll I'll tell it. I've got two two things, two main points. Number one, um, to Nick's point, she's so housing focused mm-hmm. that maybe I feel like uh, she's going to be soft on crime. Maybe her. I, I this is what I I think her stance is. If I house everybody, well, they're just going to stop committing crimes. <laughs> and I don't. Uh, yes, a lot of. Uh, not a lot. Some of the crime is from poverty. It's from you have to steal, you know, for your family to feed them, whatever. I get it. But <laughs> so maybe maybe a little bit of that goes away. Sure. But I mean, <laughs> the, the guys that were uh, the carjackings that took place during, I believe, it was the last in the fall election. Th- they weren't doing that to feed their starving families. It was a it was a well-placed operation. They got busted, but. But that's a different story. Um, and the other, the other issue that I have is is maybe a little bit more controversial. But I'm going to say it because I've never been shy to say stuff. And that is, um, I, you guys probably know this, but um, NDP uh, MPP Kristen Wong Tam tabled a motion. I, I haven't been able to follow it. I don't know what has happened to it. I don't know if Doug Ford laughed it out of Queens Park um, that basically uh, puts down that if you misgender someone, it's going to be a $20,000 fine or a or six months in jail. And I'm just wondering if Olivia Chow is either going to do it or feel pressure to do something municipally in that same um, in that same, I guess, uh Along the same lines is what I'm trying to say, whether obviously it can't be jail time. So maybe like a ticket or something. Uh, I'd love to grab any of your thoughts, Nick. Well, why don't we start with you and then we'll go across the board. So this is the first I'm hearing of it. What do you mean? I get misgender. What do you mean when I misgender somebody? So when you, when you incorrectly uh, 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 call someone what they're not, that's, that's called misgendering. Right. So when would that happen? That I guess is my question. I'm going through my day. I misgender somebody at the coffee shop or at yeah, work. Yeah, that's. Or... It, it could happen in any scenario. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh-huh. like like uh, you know maybe someone cut you off in the coffee line. You're like, oh, he right. cut me off, and it's not a it's it's not a he. It's a she. you see what I'm saying. Yeah, something as simple as that as that. And I'm just so so she tabled she tabled the bill. Um, I can't I don't know what happened. I wish I did. Um, I'm going to actually look up, look it up and see what happened to that bill. Um, And I'm just wondering. I'm I'm worried, I guess, that Olivia Chow is going to do something municipally on that very same issue. Think of the revenue that would generate them <laughs> for the city. Imagine the amount, because everyone's going to misgender people, right? You know, right. That's true. It happens, right? Sorry, that's the way it is. Back in my day, you know, she had a boyish haircut. I don't know. Jeez, like, uh, it's political correctness gone amok? Uh, I guess like that. So I don't know a how it would be enforceable. Number one, and number two. What would be the process to prove that it happened? Okay, it's a he said she said. Well, uh, he, I, I can't <laughs> yes. say it now, right? 
there you go. But it's a he said, she said, or what? You know, like you have to have witnesses. Was it on the phone? Like, you know what I mean? It's going to get a little out of hand. Like that. It's true. I, I think it's, again, a publicity stunt from the way you described it. You know, because I never even heard of this person until you mentioned it. So to get their names out there and whatever. Uh, what, what about what about the fact that if she thinks she houses everyone, crime will go down? Now, again, that's again, she won't house everybody. It ain't going to happen. And Torontonian's got to live with that. But let's say for something, she can wave a magic wand and build 50, you know, I don't know, the 200,000 units needed or whatever in a year. Will it go down? No, because now I got this nice apartment. I need a stereo. Got to go out and you know boost one from somebody. Oh my God! Like you said, I need now to put you know food in the fridge. I got to go out and you know whatever. Blah blah blah. Right? Um, no, there's not really a strong correlation, I believe, between not being housed and you know committing violent crimes. Okay, um, I don't think you know the subway issues is because the people doing it are not housed. The murders that happen is definitely not being done because people aren't housed and so forth, like that type of thing, um, like that. But I want to ask Jennifer a question, uh, which you brought up sort of, because let's face it, a lot of Olivia's child brand is due to her affiliation with the NDP. Okay. And we know a lot of people affiliated with it, so they voted towards that or whatever she stood for, like that. So Jennifer, Olivia's Chow's brand, how much of that was the reason you voted for her? Or was it more because she didn't say anything of a platform? Or was it because of you could relate to her as who she is, her stories? She was a great storyteller. Like, is it the brand or is it the person and the stories? It's, it's not that, okay. So first of all, the stories and the brand are nothing new to me. Um, I, I've been following her for years. I okay. think it's when you get into the discussions about um, safety. So it's when the, these debates were going on and on and everybody is attacking her and saying, you're going to defund the police. You're going right. to do this. You're going to do that. When you listen to her talking one-on-one, -on -one, it's not that she's out to defund the police. It's to move some funding and doing what a lot of advocates that I follow and that I speak to regularly say needs to be done. It's to move some of the funding to dealing with the mental health aspects, to having mm -hmm. mental health teams. This is going to, it's not that it's going to stop major crime. And we obviously yeah. need, you know, well. police who are there who can focus on in my ward there's people who are having car th like car theft is a daily occurrence here mm -hmm. but it's to get to the root of the problem and when she talks about affordable housing it's not about necessarily giving the money to the developers like some other candidates want to do it's bringing in that um affordable housing the housing um in the co where we used to have co-ops being built uh, it's the, the ideas of helping tenant renters i've I'm a renter. I've rented my entire life. I don't really care if people in my neighborhood are going to pay two, $300 more a year when I know I'm paying $60, $70 extra a month. And that is good. I'm, I'm 
I've been in my apartment for years. I don't have to worry too much about it going too high, but she gets it. And again, yeah, I guess it is because I connect with her because she gets my concerns. She gets the concerns of my neighbors. She gets the concerns of people who are looking at their teenagers going, how in 10 years are my kids going to be able to stay in the city? So it's, it's the issues and you have to really, really be listening. And that's what I kept saying a lot of people is when you have the debates and they're the same debates every night, the same people, and they're all attacking, you, you miss, you miss what's really there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, Oh, sorry, go ahead, Nick. No, and that she certainly knows about affordable housing and subside, having lived in it for many years with Jack. I was gonna. I was also gonna ask. Sorry, um, if you wanted to uh, speak on on what I said about uh, my concerns, Jen. Me? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so your first concern was. The- you have to remind me now what you were saying. Sorry, so <laughs> it's okay. So uh, it's it, it, her belief that if she houses everybody, the crime rate, rate will go down. And of course, the um, the municipal contingent to the provincial bill tabled by the uh, uh, Kristen Wong Tam. Yeah. Okay. And then okay. So I'll I'll start with the Kristen Wong Tam issue. Well, because first of all, I don't know. I haven't been following this, but basically anything that the NDP bring to the table the uh the conservatives knocked down so that's probably hasn't gotten anywhere okay um and i don't think you could even bring something to that extent to this council because the council is still very divided there's still very um long-term counselors who they would have a condition i think what you may see is there's definitely going to be a more open um, mayoral office to different groups. I think, um, you know, seeing what's going on in the high schools, uh, just because I see that every day, um, there definitely needs to be more openness and more discussion about uh, transphobia and uh, LGBTQ2S issues. And um, I wouldn't, it's, it's not a scary thing. I think it's just a matter of change. And I don't think she's going to jump in and do very, I don't think she's a radical. And I think there's a lot of um, older voters who remember the uh, early years and think, you know, everything's radical. But I think it's just, you know, being open to everybody and making the seem a better place for those who have been forgotten. And I think there's more education and acceptance that uh, you would see. That's true. And the, the, the housing issue? The housing issue? You know what? When people are on the streets, things happen and the mental health declines and people start to get desperate. I don't think it's going to fix everything. I don't think that these are the people that are, you know, causing crimes and stealing cars from, you know, central Etobicoke. Um, but I think there needs to be, uh, you know, a lot of looking at the root causes. So affordable housing is one, but I think you got to look at mental health. You need to look at feeding people. You just need to look at everything. To finish off tonight, I want to talk about uh, how it's actually going to work in council. Now, I think it was like, what, 10 councillors um, endorsed Anna Bailau, and I think four endorsed one, two, three, four endorsed um, Olivia Chow. And and I, I guess there were a few that, that didn't move either way. And how is she going to be able to, I mean, she has stated emphatically she will not use the strong mayor powers. So how is she going to pass any of what she wants to get done 
in city council without any sort of alliances, I guess. Um, uh, Jen, do you want to start and then we'll go to Nick? Yeah, sure. I think she has more friends than you think. Um, Shelly Carroll uh, was, um, you know, endorsing Anna Bailao and uh, came on today and onto Twitter and wrote, a, uh, you know, a very long tweet about how, you know, she's ready to work together. She believes in her. She knows her. Um, I think uh, you have very reasonable counselors who have been there for years. I think, you know, somebody like Paul Ainsley is absolutely going to, you know, he's there to work together and work with everybody. I think it, I don't think it's going to change. I think you might see somebody like Josh Matlow who's going to get a little bit more, um, you know, being able to get some of his stuff across. And then you're going to have stalwarts who are going to fight constantly. Uh, Stephen Holiday is not going to get along with her and John Burnside's not going to get along with her. So it's just going to, it's just, there might be a different dynamic, but I mean, I think, I mean, I saw Jennifer McKelvey standing with her today and Jennifer McKelvey looked more excited than Olivia Chow. So I think, I think, I think she'll be able to do it. Well, just before we go to Nick, uh, you know, Jennifer, we only got three more years and then you can, hopefully say goodbye to Stephen Holiday because um, I, I don't know if it's official. So I, I spoiler alert, I think Beth Levy's going to run for ward two. Is that what I heard correctly? I, I don't know if she means it. I mean, oh. I said to her, I, will I, I thought she meant like, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought she meant that she would organize to, to out Stephen Holiday. I don't, I don't know if she meant that she herself would run. Oh, okay. But there's there's a lot of community organizing starting, and I may be leading some organizing. So, we'll, well that's awesome. And don't forget oh, yeah. about don't forget about me in Ward One. That that's confirmed. I, that's not going to change. The, do, the only thing I, that I'll do whatever I can to help. The only thing that will change me running in Ward One in 2026 is if when I run federally in 2025 as an independent, we'll see. But again, as I've said before, it's a it, it's an election that. I'm completely prepared to lose because in the end, I've got nothing to lose. And then I can go right into the Ward 1 um, uh, election. But Nick, I'd love your thoughts on uh, on what we were talking about. So let's call it what it is. Foremost, Olivia Chow's a politician, a damn good politician. And what do politicians do? They tell the people what they want to hear, right? That's how you get votes. End of the game. So let's, why would anyone believe she won't use her mayoral veto powers? I don't believe it. I think she will. Personally, I think she just said what the people she knew. She was very, and I, again, I'll send you the link, very good at reading the room. She did it better than all the 101 candidates. Um, she read the room correctly. And so she knows what to say, when to say, very selective. Um, in her appearances, who endorsed her, her endorsement. It was all very well put together and nicely packaged and staged uh, for her people and people of Toronto. But do I buy it? No, I think she will use it. I think she will have no choice at some point to use it if she wants to get things done. And she has only, you know, three years to prove it Otherwise, we're back into a what we're seeing in the U.S. You know, Trump goes into power, blah, 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 gets out, Biden comes in. Things don't really change. If not, things in the U.S. may have gotten worse, right? The mass shooting, whatever, right? So now Trump is back on the upswing. And it's going to be a seesaw effect. And she knows this. 
So, you know, she's not that old. She'll probably want to do two or three terms, you know, at least a second term. She definitely is going to have to put some, you know, proof to the people of Toronto. It's not going to be apocalyptic, except for you property owners, myself included, maybe with the property taxes, but that'll drive people out of Toronto, more housing available. I don't know. Um, yeah, Ooh, I don't win, win. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just snuck in a, a win-win. <laughs> yeah, win-win. Exactly. Who knows, right? <laughs> it could be a win-win. Exactly. Um, yeah, who knows where that's going to go like that. She's certainly not about affordability of Toronto. I mean, raising taxes affects property owners and, of course, renters. It's passed on. So talk to me how the logistics work. You know, Toronto's so unaffordable as it is not really when you compare it to other cities, uh, Vancouver, whatever. I can name many places more expensive than Toronto. But anyway, I digress there. So, yeah, bottom line, what she said, take it with a grain of salt. She's a politician, foremost, with an agenda. They're the worst kind. <laughs> Absolutely. And I want to thank you guys for... Oh. I don't know what's going on with these headphones. There we go. Uh, I want to thank you guys for coming on and, and uh, taking part in this panel. Um, it's been great. And uh, you guys are both welcomed on uh, back on the show anytime you want to come on. Uh, and thank you. I mean, uh, this this election was... Uh, it, it was a chance to get it right. I don't agree with the result, but... I, I'm 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 fully willing to sit here and be proved wrong. Would you guys be interested in staying for one last question from me? Sure. Yeah. Which is yeah. which is my simple thought, which is what do you personally think is needed needs to be addressed in Toronto immediately with Mayor Chow? Uh, Nick, if you'd like to go ahead. I think if I was mayor and if I was Olivia Chow, the first thing I would do is I would set realistic expectations for Torontonians. Like I said earlier, we've become a, you know, I've been, I've lived, I'm not from Toronto, as you know, but I've lived in Toronto from the early 90s. So I've seen this city grow enormously. And we're becoming like, well, we've surpassed like Chicago and so forth. We're heading in that direction rapidly. It's not small town Toronto that I came to. And Torontonians need a reality check. And I think their mayor needs to set, you know, a reality check of where Toronto is heading. It's gonna get more expensive, sorry, that's the, the way it is. And there's a lot of external factors a mayor cannot control. And we're gonna have more and more big city problems, crime, affordable housing, infrastructures crumbling, transit inefficiencies, blah, blah, blah. It's just the way it is. Accept it or don't, but you know, set the expectations. I think that's the first thing she can do and then do her best like that, which I think she will, like I said, you know, cause she wants to get, you know, another term under her belt. At least. Ten. Shelter beds. 
I am. I know there's no uh, the housing and affordability. This is all long-term stuff. But while it's warm, uh, before the weather turns, there needs to be shelter beds. And I mean, I follow Gru as well, and I've learned so much from Gru. And uh, we're heading into a summer that's going to have very bad air. Um, you know, basically the country, the world's on fire. People need somewhere to sleep at night. They need respite care where they can get fresh air or cool off. So those shelter beds and just get something where people can go inside and then build. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, so, first, I'm going to cut here just because this is something that interests me a lot. And maybe Jennifer can answer when we talk affordable housing, no one, myself included, has a definition. So what does affordable housing look like to you? How do you define what is affordable housing to a person? It's funny, Honestly, every, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, sorry, no, all I was I, gonna say is it is gonna be different for everybody and you need to have different levels. You need to have social housing. You need to have uh, rent-based housing. You need to have something for everybody, TCHC, you know, there's just, it's not enough. And there's so many empty units that uh, some people, that some campaigns have discovered. So affordable housing is, yeah, I, and I agree. I absolutely Was that there's a big no one with, that was that Chloe Brown who discovered some of those? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. Chloe Brown's campaign found them, yeah. You know, for affordable housing, you know, I, I asked, Actually, I asked Anna Bailao what, what the definition is, and she said everyone has a different definition. For me, you right. know, I don't understand why we're talking. If you're if you're purchasing a house, if you're buying a house, uh, uh, that term shouldn't be applicable. Affordable housing is it should be if it isn't about rentals, right? A, rent, a rental. Uh, it should be a renter's issue. But that's, again, just, that's just my opinion. The definition. And I think that's the whole crux. Maybe, you know, as a mayor, someone's got to put a definition. What am I aiming for? No one knows. Is it income geared, first of all? Is it based on, you know, are you on welfare? Are you on whatever? I don't know myself. I don't have a definition for it, you know, because I can't afford a Ferrari. <laughs> am I, you know? Oh my God, there's no affordable automobiles? I don't know. You know what I mean? I can't afford to have dinner every night at Canoe. Oh my God, there's no affordable restaurants. I don't know. Define it for me. What is affordability? I can't wear Gucci, you know, because there's no affordable shoes. Like, oh, Nick, I, I think you could sacrifice to get some Gucci's. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just look at it. I just look at it like this. If you look at all the people on ODSP who literally are starving, you need to have something that is, is, is social that is the government is helping. You need something where people can survive. You need something that where people who are on two incomes and raising kids and, you know, are barely making ends meet, you need to have rentals where these families can raise their kids. Um, again, I, it's not it's not a home ownership issue. It is a rental issue, and I think mm -hmm. that is a conversation that needs to be had. And I think now you're putting me down a slippery slope to write an article on this and do some research. But here, here's um, the thing. Here's here's the point. For an article, baby. Here's the point I wanted to add because when I was talking to Anna Bilo specifically about this issue, um, we talk about units being built, which which means condos. And those are those units are for yeah. sale, and yeah. apparently the affordable 
so I may be butchering what she said, but if I can remember correctly, she said something to the effect that um, affordable housing means units, you know, 80% of market rate. Who decides the but who decides yeah. the market rate? Market, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. But again, yeah. and again, those are for sale units. What about rental exactly. units? And then, and then I yeah, asked, so- who, who, Phil, who did I ask why, why no more uh, rent geared to income buildings aren't being built? I asked that question. I can't. Re- Was it Brian Graff? Maybe. I feel like that would have been a good question for the two counselors we had on our show. I might have asked them too, but I I can't remember. Ah, uh, it's been it's been a long election, <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah. So um, again, it should be a it's a rental issue. It's it's not a a, a home owner issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd love to read that article, Jen. Whenever you get that done, I'm or if if you're going to do it. Uh, but and again, uh, anyway, so. I just again, I want to thank you guys for coming on and uh, sure. and for being part of this panel. You guys are amazing. Um, I will uh, if you send me links, I'll I'll uh, include them in the show notes. I know I'm I'm bad for that stuff, but I'll I'll get it done. Um, we'll do. And uh, and thank you guys. Uh, thank you so much for for coming on here. Okay. Thanks for having me. I love being here. So anytime. <laughs> Absolutely. And that was the panel. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed that. Technical difficulties aside, um, uh, and uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to read some of these tweets. I'm just going to blow through them real quickly. Uh, Justin Trudeau writes, "Congratulations on being elected mayor of Toronto, Olivia Chow. I'm looking forward to working together to deliver results for Torontonians." Uh, John Tory writes, my sincere congratulations to Olivia Chow on her election as mayor of Toronto. She brings a great deal of experience in the public life uh, of our city and our country, and I know that will serve her well as mayor. We are so fortunate to live in Toronto, and I know Ms. Chow will work with council and other levels, other governments uh, to make our city even better. She loves the city as I do and will do anything and I will do anything I can to help her in the days and months ahead. While it is the biggest possible privilege to hold this job, it is also complex and challenging, and we should all be hoping for her success. Okay, buddy. What's the hardest part about your job? Hiding your mistress. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anna Bailao writes, congratulations to the mayor of Toronto, Olivia Chow. I wish you all the best in the years ahead. The time is now to come together as a city to solve our biggest challenges. David Miller writes, congratulations, Olivia Chow. You earned this. People overwhelmingly overwhelmingly voted for change, and that's a powerful mandate indeed. Let me see. Blake Acton writes, congratulations, Olivia Chow. I'm sure you'll do your best as mayor to make Toronto uh, a city we can all be proud to call home. Um, Brad Bradford writes, congratulations to Olivia Chow on becoming the next mayor of Toronto. Uh, Tomorrow we keep pushing to build an affordable and safe city that you can move around in confidence. Tomorrow we get back to work to fight for less talk and more action at City Hall. And I invite you to, and I 
I, I can't get the rest of the tweet, but that's all right. Oh, uh, no, that's whatever. Uh, Anthony Fury writes, congratulations, Olivia Chow. I admire your longstanding dedication to this great city, and I wish you well in, in serving the people of Toronto. Uh, Jennifer McKelvey writes, on behalf of all Toronto residents, I want to congratulate Olivia Chow on being elected our city's mayor tonight, our city's next mayor tonight. Earlier this evening, I spoke to Mayor-elect Chow and committed to supporting an orderly transition of the mayor's office in the coming days. Uh, Josh Matlow writes, congratulations to Mayor-elect Olivia Chow. I look forward to working constructively and collaboratively with you to build a better Toronto and face our city's challenges together. And I think, oh, <laughs> for fun, I'm going to read you this one. Chris Sky writes, I want to thank my supporters and volunteers. You did great. And we know they lie, cheat and steal. Never give in to the globalist agenda, no matter what. I don't know. Maybe don't get arrested a week or two before the election. I don't know. Maybe that, that. might help. That might help your electoral chances. <laughs> it's just a thought. Rob Davis writes, congratulations to Olivia Chow. By all measures, she ran the best campaign and the results that bear out. Uh, Toronto Council needs to come together to work on the very difficult challenges facing the city. Time to roll up the sleeves and get back to work now that the election is over. I disagree. I understand bringing the city together, Phil, but I disagree. Like he was the one leading the charge, Rob Davis, I'm talking about, um, petitioning the CRA to look into uh, Chow's uh, charity, the, the, the not-for-profit. Now, let me ask you, she won the election. Does that all now go away? Well, I think that, I think it more speaks to in my mind, Rob Davis wasn't really doing it. This is Rob Davis, right? Yes. I don't believe he was starting that investigation in good faith anyways. Um, that's my thought. It just, it, it, it bugs me when either, whether the, the, whether the candidate wins or loses, once the election is over, it's like, it's like it doesn't, that the, the things they say just go away. It kind of reminds me of um, when uh, it kind of reminds me of, of when Trump beat Hillary Clinton. He said, I'm going to investigate you and blah, 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 blah. And he won. And that never happened. I don't know. That was I mean, that was just bravado, though. Like it wasn't. It was bullshit. It's 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 it was bullshit. It was. Yeah. So your final thoughts on this election. We have been doing this shit now since February. Um, we have interviewed, we've been, inter hold on. We've <laughs> interviewed a lot of candidates, a lot of the high profile candidates actually. And I got PTSD if anyone says election in the next six months. Um, but I'd love to know your thoughts on, you know, the job that we did and, and also the job that the, the candidates did. And if you want to single out candidates, go ahead. I'm, I'm here for it. Well, here's, here's a fun thought for you, Matthew. Uh, on our, our little independent show, we had the second place, fourth place and fifth place candidates on our show, which is very cool. Um, 
kind of final i'm glad this election is over it it's like it it felt like a foregone conclusion in terms of olivia chow now how it played on an election night it did not feel like a foregone conclusion there was quite a bit of time where it was like anna bailau in the lead with twenty thousand votes and and i my panic there okay understand my my issue with that is in my mind, Anna Bailao isn't even the most offensive candidate to run. She wasn't, you know, super pro cop. She wasn't, let's rip out the bike lanes. She was just very center, middle of the road, keep on Status keeping quo. on, which I think is part of the problem. That was John Tory's keep on keeping on, you know, try to be, try to be a leader, but in a cheap city. And that's where it left us. You know, nine years later, after John Tory is elected, this is where we are. And it just, in my mind, it felt like an elect, an Anna Bailao mayoralship. It wouldn't be chaotic. It wouldn't be like, oh, immediately everything goes to shit. But it would just be a continuation of the failed policies of John Tory. So, you know, so I was nervous. I legitimately was like, oh, my God, we're going to have a fucking Mayor Bailao. God damn it. And as I've said to you, Matt, uh, both in person and on our show, Olivia Chow isn't who I voted for. She's not who I personally supported. I would have loved to have a chance to get to talk to her, get her vibe, which we didn't. And that happens. And hey, who knows? Maybe I can send another silly email with a silly subject line to Olivia Chow. And maybe maybe before she even uh, becomes the mayor, maybe we can get her to be a municipal. But, you know, for now, I'm I'm happy with the result because in my mind, the most important thing that needed to happen in this election was change. And Anna Bailao represented the same. I think that's well put. Um, I agree with you. We needed change. We need change. I'll be eager to see exactly what kind of change she brings to the table. And to be clear, and, and what's sort of exciting about the position we're in as our, you know, little independent media outlet is, you know, as, as you and I have said, more, more you, um, but I mean, it's the vibe for the podcast, is we want to be able to hold these elected officials accountable. You know, with John Tory, that was easy because we both, thought he was doing such a shit job that it was just it was it wasn't even a question it was so easy olivia chow i like her i want her to succeed that means we need to be on her ass okay when she fucks up we will talk about it when she succeeds i hope we talk about it absolutely um but it's it's the people it's it's the people we like really that we have to be we have to push. We can't just be happy that we got, in my in my case, we can't just be happy that we got change. We have to funnel that energy into the change that we want to see in the city. Absolutely. And you know, I, I got a preachy. I, I know I got a fun little story that I'm going to share with our listeners. So more in the in the sense where you were by your phone on election night, which by the way, for our listeners, there was 
one text from me and one text from Phil exchanged on election night, and that was it. <laughs> just so, just so we're we're painting the picture for our listeners. Um, and while you were sitting by your phone going, "Fuck, we're gonna have a mayor bylaw," I was like, <laughs> I was I was sitting by my phone and I was like, "It looks like it can't be anybody else but bylaw or Chow." I guess <laughs> I guess I'm rooting for Bailao. So I was like, oh, okay, we're gonna have Bailao. Okay, good, good. And then it turned. And I was like, oh shit. Oh shit. And then uh you know, I kept I kept it got it got a little bit closer. It got like five thousand, and I'm like, okay, Bailao can pull ahead. We still got more, more uh, um uh uh what am I trying to say? More voting places to, to report, vote, uh, whatever they're called. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, okay, we're, we can do this. And then I watched the lead increase to 12,000, <laughs> 13,000, 14,000, 20,000. And I was like, oh no, we're going to have a mayor chow. Now, because you brought it up, I would like to share with our viewers this text exchange that you and I shared on election night. <laughs> Go ahead. Right? 9.56 p.m. from Matthew. I'm disappointed. 10.13 response from me. I'm pretty okay with this. <laughs> election conversation over. <laughs> that was it. That was all we said on election night. We, we really brought it all out. Oh, well, you know, there's no use crying over spilled milk. Olivia Chow did win the the mayor's chair so i think that even if we don't and i'm speaking to the listeners if you don't agree with her that's okay but i think that she's at least earned the chance to prove us all wrong and for for me i'll speak for myself i hope she proves me wrong because i i want to be wrong about her you know, I don't I I was never going to be wrong about Blake Acton and I know I'm not wrong, but I'm willing to be wrong about Olivia Chow, not to put them in the same conversation, because let's be honest, they don't belong in the same conversation. But uh, anyway, you know, that that'll do it here for for our panel and and for the afterbirth of the panel, whatever you want to call it next week afterbirth. <laughs> Next week, placentas I'm, dropping everywhere. Right. Well, the birth has taken place. Olivia Chow is the mayor. Um, but next week, I'm hoping uh, I haven't uh, spoken to her yet because we were busy with election stuff. Sheena Sharp to be on the show next week. Um, if not, maybe it'll be a surprise guest or just me and Phil. Hey, I'm down for that because uh, we got lots and lots of stuff. We're going to start doing more in-depth reviews of the council meetings. I'm not talking about the Scarborough, the Etobicoke. I'm talking about the Toronto City Council the big meetings. Ones. The big ones. We're Good gonna, old recaps. We're, we're, we're going to recap it like, like it's a re- not like it's a wrestling show, but well, I'll try. I'll get, I'll get, I'll do my best Jim Cornette. Fuck. I love that guy. He's so funny. Anyway. Um, and you know, We'll, we're going to try to bring you guys the content that you want. And uh, if anything breaks, we'll, we'll try to cover it first. Uh, fuck, we'll see if we can get there first. Uh, 
You know, we'll cover it on Wednesdays. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> so, I mean, that's it for us, but I don't want to leave this show without thanking our wonderful, wonderful wide world of listeners. You know, I, I mean, I'll, I'll get it started. You know, we've got listeners from Italy, France, Belgium, Sri Lanka, uh, Venezuela, St. Grenadines, uh, the UK, uh, Mexico, El Salvador, um, did I, Barbados, did I say Belgium? Uh, and of course, in the United States, we have gotten huge numbers from Ohio and most recently Minnesota, Washington Ooh. State, Oregon, California, Nevada. You know, in a sort of weird reverse version of us thanking the U.S. states that have listened, which is very cool. At some point, I think we're going to have to just start shaming the states that aren't listening to us. Who's not on that list, Matthew? Alaska? Yeah, we have no listeners in Alaska or Hawaii. <laughs> God damn it. Or Puerto Rico. <laughs> or Puerto Rico. But we do have listeners in Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, uh, North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, New York, Pennsylvania, Indiana, Illinois. Um, there are others. There's so many. There's like 30. Um, and of course, we can't leave the show without thanking our homegrown fans right here. Obviously, Ontario, you guys are our biggest cluster. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And also, we have, you know, we have listeners in a few other provinces, I think BC, Alberta, Quebec. Um, we couldn't do this without you guys, obviously. We need the listeners. Um, and as Phil and I have said before, we don't want your money. We want you to support us in the way of listening. Um, you know, if, if you know somebody who is into politics, which, by the way, I scroll through Twitter and I read the little captions of people and they're like into politics or whatever. So I, I sometimes I, I, I follow them to let them know, hey, we're here and we ain't going nowhere. We want to we want to entertain you. We want to inform you, possibly educate you but definitely if i do if i don't do those other two things i want to entertain you anyway so i mean that's it for for what i've got phil do you have anything else i i feel like we're doing pretty solid i concur so then we'll wrap it up you know for phil and for nick and for jen you know, thank you guys so much for listening, as always, and we will see you guys with fresh content next week. This is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to, like, city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to, uh, to point that finger at you. My answer with that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it. And two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to uphold. Uh,